0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. All right, give me a smile. Yay. Thanks, Zach. That's such a great... Do you realise that he wrote that song? That new song? Yeah, come on. It's good. It's great. I he didn't sort of promote that, just sort of <laughs> quietly, quietly sang away. It's great. Very exciting. We'll have to sing it more and get to know it. So it put at the bottom, before we sing it, so written by Zachary Ward. Hallelujah. I'm impressed, actually, writing songs with a new baby. I don't know how you... Well, I guess he's not that new. So this morning, I am speaking about peacemaking. We have spoken about relationships. And the Bible says in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. And that bless there is the word makarius, meaning enjoying happiness, life, joy, and satisfaction. So people who are peacemakers enjoy a satisfaction in life. And we are to be peacemakers. And I want to explore that this morning in the context of all that we've been hearing about relationships. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? To be a peacemaker. It's a power that we can bring into this world, a power we can bring into relationships, into situations, and we can bring this power in because we know Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Without Jesus, there's no peace without Jesus. They can have all the meetings they want in the United Nations. They can do all they want, but they will not ever get peace without the the Prince of Peace. He's in charge of peace. He decides where there's peace and no one else. And we have him. His, his name is called Wonderful Counsellor. And I might just add, he is the counsellor. Everybody wants to be called a counsellor these days. But there's no counsellor without Jesus. So if you think you can take a hold of this title, you jolly well better have the counsellor inside of you because otherwise your counsel will be absolutely zip. So he is the Wonderful Counsellor. He is the Mighty God, Eternal Father, as in one with the Father. And he is the Prince God of peace. And here's the thing, to be called, the the reward of being a peacemaker is to be called a son of God. And in the Bible, when you're a son of someone, it means you resemble them. You have their DNA. You're the same. And so to say that we are a son of God is saying you're now like God. You you belong to him. You're in relation to him. There's a relational element there, but there's a a resemblance that you are like God. So I love looking at all those Beatitudes and seeing how they get more and more amazing as they go along. And this is an amazing one, that we can do the work that Jesus did along with him. So first of all, of course, we have to, in order to be a peacemaker, we have to have peace with God. We have to be at peace. You can't give something that you don't have. And so we need to know that, that God has brought peace to us. Jesus, in Romans 5.1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God because Jesus took away our sin. He took away the, the war, the enmity that was between us and God. And if you don't have that peace with God, if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're actually at war with God. You're actually in a position where you're rejecting him. You're saying no, and you're not getting along with him. He's saying, here's my peace offering. And you're saying, no, I don't want it. He says, well, if you don't want the peace offering, then we're not getting along. So we need to have peace with God. And I hope that you all have. And if you haven't got that peace with God this morning, come out and get it. It's not hard to get right with God because he's offering it. Come and be at peace with me. And as Christians, we need to stay in that place of peace. We need to keep going to peace. We need to find the the prince of peace in our life. We need to make sure that we maintain that peace. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. And then in Psalm 119, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So all of these scriptures show us how we have peace with God. Initially, we invite him into our heart, but we've got to stay in that place of peace. And it says there when we pray, it says, don't worry about it, pray about it. It says, find out what the word great peace have those who love your law. I lose peace every single day, every single day. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have many troubles. Well, that's true. Every day I get into a position where I feel something that is not peace. <laughs> it's either anxiety, like, oh, what's going to happen with this? Or it's fear, like, oh, that's not good. Or it's just di- sort of discouraged, down, black, yuck. I don't know what, I don't even know what it is. It's just this sort of... Bleh. Every day, every day something happens. Sometimes I just talk to someone and I just feel like, oh, I feel terrible now. <laughs> sometimes, you know, you turn the TV on and you just feel awful. Every day. Sometimes you look at your bank account. Sometimes Whatever. Every day. And every single day I have to go to this place. I have to find this peace. I have to go to God. I have to go, what does your Word say? What do you say? Every day I've got to go to Him. If you... Don't have peace. You need to go to him until you do. He's the prince of peace. You need to get that issue and deal with it. Because if you're not living in peace, it's mi- it's not fun. It's miserable. It's not happy. I every day I need to go to him and I need to wait on him. I say, "Here's the issue." And I pray about it, and I just feel he's going, eh, "It's all right." He soothes it. Sometimes he gives me a word and I go and read the Bible and I go, okay, that's what the word says. I believe it. I'm in faith. And then I get back to that place of peace. My children will 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 tell you this because if ever I talk to them before I've prayed and before I've got the peace, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. And they're so like, okay, mom, yeah. And then then I go and pray and then I think, oh. I'm trying not to talk to people before I pray. I did it with Ellen the other day. I said something. I was a bit anxious and narky, and then I prayed and then I'm like, La 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 And so then I went back to her and I said, Oh sorry, I, I hadn't prayed about that issue and it's really actually fine. And she was like, Yeah, I know, like they, like I know, Mom, like but it's you know, that it's just that basic for me. When I haven't prayed about an issue, I feel anxious, I feel worried, I don't feel at peace. When I bring it to God, I find the Prince of Peace, I can relax. And if you're saying to me, Well, I've prayed and it's still not there, you need to pray longer. You really do. You know what? Sometimes it takes longer than five minutes. Sometimes you go, okay, go, go, go. It's like just shh, shh, shh. Sometimes I have prayed for a while, and I'm like, I'm still not. I'm, I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm putting aside a whole day. I'm crossing out a whole day out of my world, and I'm gonna spend that day. And sometimes even then, I sometimes I find there's sort of a residual build-up. I need to go and just go away. I mean, I, I went to. New Zealand one time, spent a whole week just hanging out with the tankards. They're pretty peaceful people. And I just wander out into the hills in the back of New Zealand just all day, just wandered and prayed. and I didn't talk to anyone all day, day after day after day. And and then I just sit on the lake, just sit and sit. And you might say, oh, I don't have time to do that. Well, I I don't know if you have time not to. You know, I, I think you need to find that time. Because God wants you to be in perfect peace. Listen to what he says. God, you will keep in perfect peace all whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You keep in perfect peace. So he will keep you in this peace. If you're determined to be in this place, he'll keep you there. And, you know, I've been talking to – I did, was talking to young mums this week. I went to the city and I was talking to their mum space group. And, you know, when you're a young mum, you've got, like, kids running around – even when you're a young mum, there's moments where you can find that peace. even when you've got kids like 24 seven crying, grabbing you, there's a way. you know and I, and I know if a young mum can find peace, like there's you know when you quick quick it used to be for me, it used to be play school, preschool, whatever it is, play what's it called? Sesame Street. Sesame Street and it's been a while, it's been a while. What is it? but it's probably all new now. What is it Dora the Explorer? No, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm so out of date with all this. It's probably just some video. Anyway, you whack it in and you've got like five minutes. And uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Why are you laughing at me? You stream it. I don't know. I don't know. You just plug them in somehow, plug them in. But you've only got a few minutes and then you, you plug them in and you are racing the womb. I was like, oh, and God's so sweet if you're a mum and you've only got five minutes. He's, he's amazing what he can do. But, you know, whether it's kids or the business or whatever it is, there's a place You've got to give God that prime time to find that that beautiful peace with God. Make sure you do. Make sure you do because ah, you want to be at peace. On every issue, you need that peace. So that's how we be a peacemaker. First of all, let's know our prince of peace. Let's be close. And so once we are in that place of peace, we are now in the position to be a peacemaker. And this is a really, this is quite a high calling actually. And I'm going to be honest with you, not a lot of people, I think, get here. I don't think they do because I don't think they even get the first point right. I don't think a lot of people... If you're only on the first point, that's right. You stay on the first point and look at this for the future. But the truth of the matter is not many people get to this place. But I want you to because you're a great church. And, you know, when we had Murray Newman here, he said, this is a church on a mountaintop. This is a church up high to be a light, to be a shine, to be an example to be a beautiful example of how church can be, how Christian people can be. So I'm encouraging you to get a hold of this vision, to be a peacemaker. And a peacemaker is a beautiful person because life is jam-packed with conflict. There's conflict absolutely everywhere, in every family, in every religious group, In every group of friends, amongst your neighbours, your colleagues, your clans, there's just constant conflict. You turn on the TV. Chris and I always used to laugh when we were kids. Our whole life growing up, every time our parents turned on the news, it was there's trouble in the Middle East, trouble in the Middle East. And you go, oh, and still now it's like there's trouble in – there's always trouble in the Middle East. It's because of flippant Abraham. He just couldn't wait. And so he had to have, you know, Ishmael. And so there's trouble in the Middle East and it's gone on really ever since then, trouble in the Middle East. And then the other thing which who, – who remembers this? The Arbitration Commission today says – does anyone remember that term, the Arbitration Commission? They were always going on about the Arbitration Commission, which was – I think the political trouble with the unions and different things. And so they, there's always trouble. And then in your family, you know, you get on the phone, it's like, oh, well, someone's own in this. And it's like always trouble. So one of the ways that we can bring peace is to be in a place of calm and bring calm for peace. Just be a person of calm and peace and gentleness and humility and beauty and grace in every situation. And you need to think, am I that person? Am I the person that when I walk into a room, I bring this peace? Now I'm not trying to change your personality, because as I look out here, I see some of you, you've got very loud personalities, you've got fun personalities, you've got you can be a very quiet, mousy person and have absolutely no peace on you. It's not about the volume of your voice or the, the volume of your presence. It's about your spirit about what comes out of you. When you come in, do you bring a sense of anxiety and it's got to be your way and it's like, uh, or do you bring a sense of measured peace and calm? Just by your presence, you can bring a certain soothing, a certain beauty. And that's what God wants us to have in all our dealings with people, that we bring this sense of peace. There's space. There's space. Just Please. Just don't talk too much. There's a start. Just give the other person room to finish their sentences. And when you say something, don't keep saying it until there's no... Just say something and pause and wait and see if the other person wants to say something. That, that's peaceful. Just just bring that, that peace into these situations. Let go of your opinion sometimes. Just, just say yes. It's really surprising to people, just... They say, I really want to do it this way and and sometimes go, okay. They go, oh, wow, you didn't fight. It's 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 okay, we'll do it your way. Just try it. You never know, it might work. There's peace right there. There's just this this love that we can bring to people that we want to to help them and honour them and see who they are and there's a real peace in that. Because, you know, and I'm not talking about being nice. You can be fuming on the inside towards someone. Like, you know, you can if he's so angry and very nice. And that's not peace. Peace is really dealing with issues. I was talking to a, um, a friend of mine the other day who's a teacher. And uh, teachers have to be good at this kind of conflict dealing. And she said that uh, a mum came into the school and she had to deal with her. And she said, basically... She just sat there and there was just accusation after accusation after accusation about, about the school, about the teacher, about her, about everything, and she was just angry and she was pouring it out because, you know, when, when mums and it's their kids involved, there's like, you know, everybody else is wrong except me and my kid and I'm going to fight and there was all this going on. And, and I was talking to her about, well, how did you manage that situation? And she just said, I just let her get it all out. We didn't, I didn't interrupt her was just pouring out about how bad we were. And uh, I said, was it true? And she goes, most of it, no, not really. But I didn't defend, I didn't defend the school. I just let her pour it all out. And then she said, and then I didn't even defend. I didn't say, well, you know, on the, you, you're not right here because we, we don't do that. And this is..." she said, I didn't defend, didn't say anything. This is what she said, how can we help you? What do you want to change in this situation? That's peacemaking. That's beautiful. Because when someone attacks, you just want to defend. It's just not fair. That's the thing. There's something inside of us. If someone says, you're this, and you're not, or you don't think you are, you just want to go, no, I'm not. It's just, you just do. It's just, if I don't defend myself, they might keep thinking I'm like that. I can't bear that they would think that about me because it's not fair. It's like, just let it go. Let it go. Let them think that you're whatever. It doesn't matter. And you know what? The weird thing is, when you defend yourself, half the time you look worse anyway. They don't, they don't change their opinion. They just fight harder. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Peacemakers just diffuse the situation like this wise teacher. And she said that just by loving her and bringing peace rather than defence or attack... The the mother ended up sharing things about her, her child and the situation and it got kind of quite personal and the teacher was able to turn around and pray for her and love her and then the mother said this, thank you for listening to me and thank you for helping at the end of the situation, which is just a beautiful and classic story of peacemaking right there, just beautiful because that had the potential to get everybody angry, everybody annoyed. And yet this wise peacemaker was able to turn the situation around and bless this one and never ended up defending herself, the teacher or the school, just loved. So there's so many opportunities like that. You know. You, and I guess sometimes you might think, well, that's just a little thing. That doesn't count. And it's like, yes, it does. It really does. Because from these little areas of warfare that we don't deal with, we get it gets worse and worse and worse you know this i I really believe people say we should we shouldn't have wars in the world and i'm like do you fight with your husband Like, do you fight with your husband are you a peacemaker at home do you fight with your neighbor because how in the world a nation's going to stop fighting if you can't even fight with the person that you've made a a commitment to that you've made a you know i'm going to live with you and love you for the rest of my life you made a covenant with If we can't figure out how to bring peace one-on-one, we won't ever do nations. And bringing peace one-on-one is exactly what Jesus came for. Jesus came to win this world soul by soul, soul by soul. We stop for one in this church. One person matters, one. We want thousands. We want to influence Thailand and Vietnam and all these places, but one is important. That mother is important So it's important to bring peace to that situation. It's important to bring peace to your neighbour. You know when the neighbour arrives and gets furious because the kids play out in the street? Why are these kids playing out in the street? They should be inside where they belong. I'm like, what? What country are you from? And I won't answer that question. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to sort of be well, you know, the children like to play in the street and it's quite healthy for them to be outside in Australia. That's kind of what we do. So, you know, you just love them and gentle and then the next thing you know, they love you back and you win them in. Or So is it the teacher? Is it the boss? Whoever it is that, that's being difficult, you have an opportunity to respond and be the peacemaker and bring peace. In a family situation, there's always friction in families, isn't there? There's always someone who's hating another person, who's feeling hurt. The words can be harsh and judgmental. I don't think some people realise how hurtful their words are. And I'd like to teach them, but it's not easy. Some people say things, it's like, do you realise how that's hurting me? And I don't think sometimes I realise how hurtful my words are. Sometimes I say something, I just mean to be nice or just slightly, have you thought about this? And they're like, I can't believe you said that to me, Ruth. And I'm like, I I just thought I was... You just never know when you hit someone's spot, do you? So we have to have a gentle soothingness. We have to have phrases like, I'm sure they didn't mean that. Sometimes we can bring peace between two warring parties. I'm sure they didn't mean that. I don't think it was that bad. Because what happens when you create war, even in a family, even in a family, when there's a little friction between two people, what they do is they try to gather support. It's called alliances. This is basically how World War I started. It's like... France said well if Russia goes to war we're going to war and and Germany says if Austria goes to war we're going to war and Britain says well if France goes to war we're going to war and so then one guy gets killed down in you know Serbia and then it's like okay now we're all at war because you know if you go to war I'm going to war and it's a bit like that we get alliances within families or groups where it's like I'm really upset are you I am too and then we create a little alliance and you kind of know when you're not in the alliance it's like I think something's going on here you know if you sort of try and join the alliance they're like you know, it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> so what we've got to do is break up alliances with peacemaking and say I'm not, we're not creating these alliances. We're, we're trying to get together and get along here. So we've got to just continually sow peace. And sometimes in sowing that peace, we won't – some people don't want peace. Some people don't want that calm. And that's, but we still sow those seeds. We still make, make every effort. The Bible says this, Hebrews twelve fourteen. Make every effort – to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails, sh- falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Ephesians 4, walk worthy of your calling with lowliness. Lowliness. I mean, where do you hear that word today? There's some words are very unfashionable. Lowliness. Be lowly. Like, uh, no. <laughs> it's like, no, be as high as you can. Get to the top of the company. Get Be famous. Be be up, 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 me, me, me on stage. Like, look at me. That, lowly means, no, you, it's okay. I, you go. You be famous. You get the, I'm okay. I just, my ambition is to just quietly serve the Lord. That's not real happening, is it? Let's look at that. Walk worthy of your calling with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering Bearing with one another in love Endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace There it is So it's beautiful scripture there shows us how to be Bearing with one another Sometimes one another take a long time to change And it's like I can't bear it I can't bear the way they are It's like well you have to bear We bear with one another And sometimes things just don't change And it's like that's okay just bear with them because maybe you haven't changed either. Maybe I haven't changed. So we have to bear with one another and be gentle about it. And it says to make every effort to live in peace. So we we work at peace. We, we make the effort. We're not aggro and difficult, but we make every effort to live at peace. So there it is, being a peacemaker, being calm, being gentle, being beautiful. So for my po- final point, I want to read... What Jesus said in Matthew ten thirty four. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter in law against her mother in law. What? <laughs> like what? I, I, honestly, I had so much fun preparing this message. I'm like, oh God, how do I manage this? It's like. The Bible's one of those it, it just like it says one thing and then it says the opposite. It's like what you I thought you just told us to work at peace and peacemaker and be nice and I'm just gonna go like smooth, I'm gonna be a new smooth, gentle. And then he says, I didn't come to peace, I've been came bring a war. You're gonna be fighting with your family. It's like how does that work? How how does that work? What what exactly is God saying? See, God is not a pacifist. So there's a big difference between being a pacifist and being a peacemaker. So a pacifist is someone who says, I'm just not going to fight. I'm just not going to fight. Hitler wants to take over England. He can have it. Well, I'm just not going to fight. You just take it. And we don't like pacifism and neither does God because the Bible is absolutely full of war, in case you hadn't noticed. There's wars going on from the beginning to the end and God uses soldiers as an an example of what a Christian is meant to be like. We're in a war and and soldiers were highly regarded right through from Old and New Testaments. So there are times actually when you have to fight. There's times when you have to have conflict. And the reason is because there's such a thing as a phony peace. There's such a thing as a thing that looks like peace but it is not peace because there's no peace without justice. There is no peace without righteousness. And if there's no righteousness and no justice, whatever that thing is that looks like peace, it is not peace. And it needs to be dealt with. And sometimes the conflict that that brings will put us into a position where people are saying, you're causing difficulties, you're causing war. And that's exactly what they said about Jesus. They said, he's not bringing peace. Everybody, like the, the place was there's an uproar around him. And yet he was a peacemaker. But what Jesus brings is real peace. Real relationship with God that is at peace. Real relationship with others that has dealt with stuff and there's real and genuine peace. But phony peace, he will deal with, he will attack. Just think of North Korea. I can guarantee if you walk down the streets of North Korea, it's very quiet and very nice. Everybody probably looks like this. I mean, you see it in those stupid pictures where, you know, he's Kim Jong-un is doing something and everyone's going, Yay! (laughs) It's so great. Like it's this this tyrannical, terrified peace. That's not peace. That's just completely phony. No one's, you know, you don't dare say anything because then you'll just get shot down or literally shot down. That's not peace. It might look quiet and it might look like there's nothing going on, but under the surface there's tremendous fear and anxiety. And some families are like that. You know, you can have... Husbands and women, two wives, who are tyrants. And everyone looks happy, but it's there's there's nothing happy about that family. And even in churches, there can be people can all be we're happy, we're happy, and yet there's not real peace. To get real peace, sometimes you're going to need real conflict. You're going to need to be prepared to be very bold and to be able to fight. So this is the wonderful, exciting thing about being a peacemaker. You need to know when do I come in with soothing calm? Gentleness, and when do I need still from a place of calm and from a place of gentleness to confront? Now, you're going to have to look at your motivation here because if my motivation is to confront because I want to punish you or I want to prove that I'm right or prove that you're wrong, that's not peace. My motivation has to be that I love you and I want to help you and I want to honour you. And so it's quite complex, and we need to go back to the Prince of Peace to find out how to do it because he did it perfectly. And a rather um, classic and sad example in the world, of course, is Rwanda in 1994, where the world knew that there was issues going on there and so they placed peace, peacekeepers there. The, the place was full of peacekeepers to, to keep the peace because the Hutus and the Tutsis were had, you know, for, for hundreds of years they had this war going on and it was not looking good. And so at that time in... 1994, General Romeo Dallaire, who was the force commander of the United Nations peacekeeping mission in Rwanda, sent what is now a famous fax, and it's called the Genocide Fax. And he said to the Security Council and the head of the United Nations that there is a real threat of genocide. They knew. He knew. They, the weapons they had, they stockpile. They had stockpiles of weapons. He, he had spies who were saying. It's coming, it's going to be bad. And they knew it was going to be bad. And so he sent them a, uh, a, a he wrote to them and uh, in, in English, he finished in his final line in his own native tongue, which was French. You pro- I'll probably get this wrong, Harriet, but it was like, per ce que veut, Where there's a will, there's a way. He said, we must act, we must do something. This is, that was his final line. And the response was shockingly, shockingly dismissive. They said, just stick to the current mandate. They basically ignored it. Just, just keep doing what we're doing. So they had, in one p- place, when things started to get bad, they had the, all the Belgian peacekeepers were all, there was hundreds of them surrounding a school. And so thousands of, I think it was the, Putsies went to this school, thousands of them, because they thought, well, we'll go, where they are They knew. Everyone knew. It was like, we'll go there, we'll go there, we'll go there. And then the Belgians, they were ordered to leave. They were ordered to go to the airport and do something else. And they were like, "Don't, no, 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 don't leave us, don't leave us. And then they begged them for their weapons. They said, give us your weapons. Don't go. But they, they did. They left them. And the, the poor peacekeepers who were following orders, they said that they, they saw the killers move in in their rear vision mirrors and they were... They didn't do any. They couldn't do anything because their the orders were, don't shoot, don't do anything, don't protect, leave them, and they left them, and they all got killed. And so, you know, in that school, there there was a couple of survivors. That's how they know the story. But there was, they reckon that was between 500,000 and 1 million people were killed in that terrible time in Rwanda, despite the fact that the peacekeepers were there, despite the fact that they knew, they knew that it was going to happen, and they warned them. They sent a fax and said. They even use the word genocide. It could happen. So the genocide, this quote was said, the genocide we remember today and the world's failure to respond more quickly reminds us that we always have a choice. In the face of hatred, we must remember the humanity we share. In the face of cruelty, we must choose compassion. In the face of intolerance and suffering, we must never be indifferent. Barack Obama said that. And, you know, he recognised, as did everybody, that, you've got to make a choice to confront sometimes. Now that is a, a horrible example and I know it's you know not very pleasant to hear but I just felt like you know this is a serious thing that we're talking about with peacemaking because if you don't make peace people will get destroyed. If we don't be prepared to protect peace, to go out and and make an effort and be bold and sometimes do dangerous things, there will be serious consequences because Look, that's terrible that people died in Rwanda and God knows every soul and loves every soul and he knew every one of them and he, he would have looked after them to the very last minute to protect them and to let them know that they needed to get right with him. He's, like, he's good like that. Like if people are going to die, he, he knows they're going to die so he's making sure they've got every opportunity to get right for all eternity. But our job is, to, is eternal. Our war is not just whether you die here on earth, it's eternal. It's really important. So we need to be peacekeepers. And, you know, like just witnessing is being a peacekeeper. Just going out. You know that awful thing when you're in a group of people and they're non-Christians and you're the Christian and do you say it or not? Do you... And obviously you've got to be led by the Spirit, but that takes a lot of courage and it actually introduces a discordant element often to a situation. Do you notice that? It's often like, oh, oh don't talk about Jesus. Like, oh. It's unpleasant. And it's unpleasant in the way that peacekeeping can be. Sometimes it's easier to just sort of slink away from the school and just, oh, well, you just, you just all die because it's just too hard. It's like, no, we can't do that. It's shocking what happened in Rwanda. But are we doing it? Are we just sort of, oh, I won't say anything because it's awkward. I won't, I won't deal, even with my brother and sister, I won't, I'll just pretend, I don't care, I'll just pretend everything's all right because it's too difficult to confront, even if their sin is, is not good and it, it needs to be dealt with. We've got to have that, that heart To be a peacemaker. William Barclay said this Jesus demands not the passive acceptance of things because we are afraid of the trouble of doing anything about them, but active facing of things in the making of peace, even though it's a struggle. Peacemaking is a struggle. Peacemaking is hard. It's hard to put yourself out there with an answer that the world doesn't want to hear, but you know it's the right answer. It's hard to witness to people who don't want to hear. It's hard to stand for righteousness in your family when your family is declaring that you're being unkind or you're not being loving or you're not being tolerant. It's hard to do that, to be a peacemaker. But when we do it with the Prince of Peace, when we do it with our, the right position, the right anointing, then it's beautiful. It's beautiful. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings peace. The feet. Feet are not generally known as the most beautiful part of our bodies. We're not all sitting there with our feet out on display. (laughs) But even your feet are beautiful because they're moving towards bringing peace when you work like this. So let's do that. Let's be peacemakers. I'm just going to finish with a a little reward that the Lord gave me. And I, I may have shared this before, but um, I just want to encourage you that the Lord is watching and he is rejoicing in your efforts. And I one time had a, a, a been through a particularly difficult season of peacemaking and of standing for righteousness with people that I loved and I was very gravely misunderstood and I had horrible letters written to me and all kinds of things happened. And it was very unpleasant. It was very awful. And... And that happens sometimes when you, you're the one that's doing what's right. Sometimes you can look like you're doing the wrong thing and, you know, it would have been a lot easier not to – I mean, I tried my hardest to not get involved, you know, but sometimes people keep pushing you to affirm what is not right and I wouldn't do it. So I just held my ground and it was a very difficult emotional time for me and very unpleasant. But I held my ground and I just tried to be as gentle and beautiful and calm and loving as I could be. But people were not happy with me. And I held my ground. And I remember that I'd come to a place where it was just about finished and I was driving to the beach and um, Gough Whitlam had just died. And they were playing his funeral. And for some random reason, I turned it on. and they, they, But they sang this beautiful hymn. So it was on the radio. So I was so blessed. I was like, oh. I was enjoying this hymn. And then I got to the beach and I just sat there enjoying the hymn. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as clear. The Holy Spirit said, go now, go now to the beach, go now, now. It was like really urgent because I was just sitting in there enjoying the hymn, you know. And I went, oh, okay, quick, get my keys, get, get out of the car. I just knew I had to get to that beach. So I ran to the beach and I'm like, what, what am I doing here? And I went out to the rocks. I'm like, here I am. Okay, I'm here, I'm here. And at that very moment, there was the fly past and if I'd have been one second later, I would have missed it because it was obviously over Gough Whitlam's funeral in Sydney and the, the Air Force had this amazing fly pass that had just gone through Sydney, you see. So I had to rush to because the coast isn't that far away when you're in a jet engine. So, it just, so I'm standing on the rocks and I'm, not, I'm kidding you not, they were like at the back of the room. They were that close and low. Four, I think it was three or four planes, like jet, you know, military engine just and I'm just like, wow, wow, wow. I, was, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. I was, it was just amazing. I was just like, wow, God, wow, wow, wow. And it, I felt like the Lord said, that's for you. That's your fly pass because you're a peacekeeper and you did it and you won and you, you held your ground. And you stayed sweet. And I was just like, yes, yes, yeah. I was just, I was just, cr- cause it was so loud. Like it was just so exciting. I can't even tell you. It was wonderful. But. But I knew the, the formation. I'd heard just on the radio, I'd, they'd mentioned something about it. it's the missing man formation. It's a famous military fly pass called the missing man because obviously someone has died. In this case, Gough Whitlam. But I'm standing there and I'm going, this is a missing man formation. And after it went, I was like, oh. And then he said, it's a missing man formation. I went, so who died? I just said to the Lord, who died? He said, you did. And I went, oh. just was like, yes, oh God, yes, I did, I died, I died. That's the thing, that's the thing. To bring peace, Jesus died was the only way. And when you're a peacemaker, I'm telling you sometimes you're going to have to die. Your ways, your opinion, your rights, your reputation, it might just have to die. But that's okay because you bring peace and the Prince of Peace is glorified. And in the Christian world, when there's death, there's resurrection, always resurrection. Praise the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.